As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. That was a that was a quaint little divisional Saturday. I, I liked it. It was good. The first game, you know, when you nail a prediction, you feel pretty good about it. Good uh, on you, any- buddy. You got the score right. Score. You were hammering Travis Kelsey overs. Travis he Kelsey. finished with 14 catches. Oh good day God. for you. Good early the- slate for you. They peppered him. Uh, I was really more worried about the yards for a while because it was like, uh, I think only like three, one of his catches was over seven yards, seven air yards today with Travis Kelsey. He had 10 so catches just, for 55 yards at one point. That was, that's nice. That's a nice <laughs> little peppering right there. That's like a checked out artist right there. But it was a good day. And then the second game, it was kind of, you know, we tried, I felt like we did a good job of trying to build up like an angle for the Giants and everything, but it kind of was like, oh yeah, that that's what happens when you have a really good run offense and run defense, but it was still fun. I still enjoyed the games. It was a great Saturday and I'm excited for Sunday too. We'll talk about the ass kicking that just took place a little bit later <laughs> yes. in the show, but I, I want to start with the first game because it was the yeah. most exciting. It was the most interesting and it had the most interesting moment. So the Chiefs go down on that first drive and it just feels like it's going to be another Mahomes day. Yeah. So I loved the Jags game plan on defense at the start. And I appreciated what they did for most of the game after blitzing twice the entire game. The last time they played in a week 10, they brought heat all day. And on the first drive, they gave Mahomes trouble and he was just Mm -hmm. doing Mahomes nonsense. He had the jump pass in traffic (laughs) that Devin Lloyd had him wrapped up in the pocket and he somehow found Kelsey. They go down and score and you just had this feeling of it's just going to be one of those days. Even if you do everything right, there's nothing you can do to stop him. And then on the second drive on, in the first quarter, Arden Key comes down on his ankle. And I think all of us collectively kind of hold our breath. Like, what does this mean? He goes out for a series. They go down and score a touchdown. He comes back in and still plays magnificent <laughs> Right <laughs> with, with one foot. He couldn't yeah. move. He could barely step up in the pocket. He was limping around the entire half. Nate, in this game, he finishes – 22 of 30 for 195, which not like a gaudy yards per attempt no. or anything. You know what his EPA per dropback was in the game? I actually don't. Well, I actually want to know this. It was 0.29. Which is what his season That's was. better than he was in the regular season <laughs> when he was the MVP of the league. It, it's right. just an unbelievable, memorable, kind of put it on the all-time resume sort of reminder. My brother texted me at one point during the game. He said, this is the ankle game. When we talk yeah. about Mahomes and we just build his legend over the rest of his career, like we'll remember this as the ankle game. And so that's fun. what it was. It was just another feather in a Hall of Fame cap from an unbelievable player. Right. It was the ankle game. I've, I've always wondered like how Mahomes will age. Will it be like Marino where Marino was shuffling back in the pocket and just firing these rockets? And it <laughs> got a little preview. That was yeah. like a little nice preview of it. Oh, this, is my, this might be Mahomes in about a decade or 12 years from now. Uh, but no, that was – Coming back, and you could tell he was pissed. He wanted to stay in there. They forced him to go into the locker room. I mean, being competitive. As soon as he was standing up, I was like, okay, it's not a knee. And so how he fell down, we've seen enough of them that, okay, high ankle sprain. Okay, how bad is it, though? Yada, yada, yada. I think we are all on the same page watching it. But him coming back, and then this is – 
you kind of got to see both sides of the Mahomes yin and yang. You got the first drive with him just ad-libbing all these throws and and creating something out of nothing. He had the third down completion to Kelsey in the red zone on the first drive where the Jags brought a blitz. Chiefs did a great job of picking it up. He just bought that extra second for Kelsey to win on his like win whip route that takes forever. But Mahomes is that's it's like controlled ad living. I don't know. It's the Robin yeah. Williams stuff. It's like you're faking like that you're making it up, but you are making it up at the same time. Like that's what it feels like. And him doing that. But then the second half, we got to see him, you know, hobbling around and working from the pocket and peppering the defense and still ad libbing some plays. And it's just. He's, he's so much fun to watch, and you almost feel for the other side. Doug Peterson's just throwing the kitchen sink out there. Trevor Lawrence is playing fine, and it felt like – I said this to Deontay. I said it feels like watching Felix Hernandez pitch where it was like he just threw a gem. Nine nine innings, one earned run, one one walk, 12, 12 strikeouts, and they're losing God, two walks. compared Patrick Mahomes to Felix Hernandez. You just no, no. the most Nate comparison that's ever Trevor happened Lawrence. in Trevor Lawrence. Trevor, oh, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence to Felix Hernandez. <laughs> that's even worse. Yes, that's even, even more. more that's even more. parody of himself. Yes, yes, right there. But that's what it felt like. And it was like, that's what happens when you go against these other guys. You go against number 15. That's He just shreds in. He feel, they always just felt in control. Even with Henny in there, the Chiefs just felt in control of that whole game. Even as the Jaguars were doing some nice stuff. It was it was a great game from him. It's, it's the ankle game. That's exactly it. And I think that's a really important point to bring up is that beyond Mahomes, it's just a reminder of what Andy Reid and just the infrastructure is. Yeah. For Henny to come in and for them to drive all the way down the field. And Pacheco had a 40-yard run on that drive. They had other guys drive. step up when they needed it. When he couldn't yes. be a superhero, he was still a very good quarterback. Patrick Mahomes with this high ankle sprain is probably like the second best quarterback in the league, third best quarterback in the league. <laughs> that's right. It's, like, that's, it's what it felt like <laughs> we today. Do the, can you win with him or because when it's, you know, like that's kind of, it's like, no, you win because of him still. He just drops just a half tier. But what they, the Pacheco run, obviously yeah. that great play. And then the fourth and one or the third down call was the same as the fourth and one call against the Browns in the playoffs. The little yes. Chad Henney sprint out, which I really appreciated. But other guys stepping up, the defense stepping up. The defense yes. for the Chiefs played well in this game. I'm curious, before we get into some of the nitty-gritty on the Chiefs, what did you think of the Jags' offensive game plan in this game? I, I, it was a coach understanding that they would lose if they dropped back up front. Like It was a coach getting the ball out as quick as possible, try misdirection. They, I think it was rather than Doug Peterson going like, oh, we're going to – we got Trevor Lawrence. We're going to go toe-to-toe with this defense and toe-to-toe with Mahomes. I think he understood. It's like Chris Jones is good. Did you watch Chris Jones in the second half when the, when the Jaguars had they to start had dropping no back? No shot. He was winning right away every play. And the other guys were taking turns and they're having busts. And then you saw in the second half, that's when Spags' pressure started getting home. He's bringing the corner and the will at the same time. Like just over – he, I think Doug Peterson is no dummy. He understands that. So this was to give. This is their version of a ball control offense. They, I sometimes say, having quick game and quicker passers passes with a running game is kind of redundant. I think in a game like this, that's actually okay because that's ball control, and then you pe- try and pepper it with a couple shots down the field. So it got tight on them. I really felt that it opened up a little bit. I think this is just what they had to do. I think they just had a talent mismatch up front. Through three quarters, I, I tweeted this out, 43.5% of Trevor's passes had gone behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> through three quarters of the game. He averaged through three quarters 4.96 air yards per attempt, and that's with the 55-yard bomb that, <laughs> right. that he threw. So that right. even lifts still that a couple number. In there. Yeah. And they ran the ball well. 19 carries for 144 yards. They had the same success rate as the Eagles did before that Boston yep. Scott run. That's Those are the stats I have. I figured the game was over. So those are the Eagles numbers I have. They <laughs> ran the ball extremely well. I was surprised yep. they didn't run it a little bit more, honestly, I, because some I of those there's... perimeter runs or those perimeter throws actually got them in trouble. They One of the really rough parts of the game for the Jags was the first two drives of the third quarter. They had two okay. punts. Yes. The first drive was the Kalen Saunders unblocked play. Where they just let him go it was a miscommunication right. between the center and Scherf. And then the second drive was when they had those two TFLs on those yep. perimeter throws. And yes. that was Legarius Steen made a fantastic play. Just yeah. told Zay Jones to get the hell off of him, dropped the guy four yards deep in the backfield, and that led to another punt. Other than that, though, the ball control stuff was working pretty well. Yep. The one time they t- tried to take a shot early in the second half, that's when Naughty just absolutely lit up Luke Fortner and it was a sack. So yeah. it came out today, Mia O'Brien, who covers the Jags, she tweeted it. I think she was talking to 
JP Acosta, John Shipley, or just the Jags contingent on NFL Twitter. (laughs) And she mentioned that Luke Fortner was nursing a back injury all week, which Luke Fortner being having a back injury, Brandon Scherf was banged up. Yes. And you know you're dealing with Chris Jones. I have to imagine that was the onus for the ball control game plan that the Jags were trying to use. And eventually they got some shot, like really big chunks off of it. The reverse to Kirk Kirk drop was a way was this close to, that would change the whole picture of the game too. So I didn't mind. I just thought it was interesting. You know, when I tweeted that out, I think people thought it was a criticism. I was like, I understand why they think they have to do that. And a lot of it was working. Yeah. So I I, I totally agree. Well, and also too, is that uh, it's not, they didn't go as extreme, but all the quick game, all those flats and bubbles, that's to uh, to beat slot pressure, which is what yeah. the Chiefs love to run. That's just a simple answer, and that's just let's not overthink it. Let's get five six yards, and they got them. I, I I mean, it wasn't. It never felt negative. Like it wasn't like, oh my god, are you kidding me? They just needed a little breathing room. But that's this this is what I think it was the best of a kind of a rough situation that they that that they understand their matchup. And I thought it was a decent job. Also, I just maybe thought I agree with you that maybe a couple more QB reads. I think they did try to do some zone reads, but uh Trevor just kept giving it because ETN was getting eight yards. They they're giving him the give read. So I understood that maybe a little bit. I think the biggest contrast watching these two offenses today was what they did in pass protection and what they did in blitz pickup. So yeah. you have that the Kalen Saunders mishap and then on the last play another just kind of stark example on the last interception justin reed comes untouched through the a gap that wasn't happening at all today for the chiefs so mahomes finished 9 of 12 for 91 yards against the blitz in this game and that doesn't even take into account all of the simulated pressures that they came with four guys which i bet there were another half dozen of those i bet on two-thirds of mahomes's dropbacks in this game they brought somebody from the second level at least one person and i thought it was the the right game plan i I, I understood wanting to do it that way because they got absolutely shredded in the first matchup don't sit back and let that happen again try to force the issue a little bit but the chiefs did such a remarkable job in pass protection the number that stuck out to me so he averaged 0.68 epa per dropback when he got blitzed (laughs) <laughs> on those nine, on and, the, and, and 90 something yards so that means that's a lot of first downs a lot of first downs points. yes which is that's what you want to get if they're going to blitz you let's get a first down on against them here is the number that sticks out to me the most his time to throw on those blitzes 2.85 seconds they were picking up the blitzes yeah yep. they were they were picking up the blitzes consistently there was one play that i wanted to show from the second half it was a second and 10 and i think it kind of encapsulates why the Chiefs were so dominant in this game. So the Jags bring five, and they drop one of their defensive ends, their edge rushers. They did this plenty in the game, Mm -hmm. and they tried to muscle Kelsey a little bit and get those guys Mm -hmm. into zone coverage. The blitz from the second level from Rayshon Jenkins, he gets absolutely stonewalled by Jarek McKinnon on this play. McKinnon was fantastic the entire game in pass protection. He had like three or four big pickups on what turned into chunk plays for the Chiefs or first downs. So he picks this up. Mahomes is able to slide up in the pocket against a five-man rush, and Kelsey comes open late against the dropping edge rusher in space. This play, I think every aspect of it, explains why the Chiefs' offense was so good today. And McKinnon was a huge part of it. I just feel like he deserves a ton of credit for what he did in pass protection, but also what Mahomes did. That was like the subtle part of his impact on the game with not being able to move. On the MVS touchdown, Mahomes goes to the line and checks the protection. I, I rewound it like three or four times to listen. And he said, Rip Liz, Rip Liz, which I assume is a three-man slide to the right. Yeah, so Rip is right, Liz is yeah. left. But so if you say Rip Liz, that might be a double point, which is a pain in the ass, by the way. <laughs> whatever it ends up being, because I, I was wondering yeah. if, if Rip was first, that mean it meant three to the right. But yeah. whatever it ends up being. That he said it, he goes up and yep. says it twice. Yep. They have a three-man slide to the right. They pick yep. up the blitz, gives him time for to find MBS in the back corner, of the, in the back of the end zone. He did that three or four times where he's changing the protection at the line. Yes. They pick it up perfectly. So on those blitzes to hold it for almost three seconds and be as dominant as you were, that was like the defining aspect of their offense to me. Absolutely. The they they had another one where he threw a swing pass to Pacheco, and it was against the Jags, bringing like a double twist. They brought a double A gap, and it was hilarious. Is they didn't even show it. Like I, I rewound this one. They didn't even show it, and Mahomes starts looking around, and then he calls. I think it was their kind of like he was like alert squeeze or something. He gave something, and snap of the ball. They brought the double twist. 
Pacheco runs a little swing. No one drops with him, so he just throws it right over there to the left. It was hilarious, though, because it might have been simulated, but it might have been four, but it was a double twist from the two linebackers. But that's the whole process, and it's it's simple, but if you pick it up, there's going to be a hole somewhere. There's somebody moving at the wrong spot. There's somebody late. There's gashes to be had. You just got to find them, and that's exactly right. When you pick them up, not just the O-line, but the running backs, and then the quarterback is finding these spots. The simulated pressure stuff is can be a pain in the ass. I've watched the Broncos do it against the Chargers this year and limit their whole offense just by bringing simulated. It's because the running back the running back has to know when he can release. If you're just hold, I, I mentioned this a million times, but if he has to stay in at protecting, even though they're rushing four, that's a win for the defense, right? Just a, a schematic advantage win. So that's intelligence. And McKinnon's been great at it all year, so I'm really glad you highlighted it. And on top of it, this is pass protection, but also just the run game today. From yeah. the Chiefs. Uh, I, I mean, they're I mean, just even getting into 12 personnel, but I mean, they had nine successful runs out of 11 personnel. Uh, they, they were just over and over. They're finding different run plays. Uh, when Henny was in there, I noticed that the Jags went to a ton of man. And so it was funny. The Chiefs went back to the stick RPO world with, with Henny in there, not Mahomes in there. And it was because of man coverage. If you run the stick, those def- man defenders run out of the box. So it was just these light boxes they just kept pounding away at. So just a great, great job. Andy Hex, the offensive line coach there, great job by him and great job. Eric Bianami, he, he does with the running backs. Like, great job by those players because that leads to successful days like this when the defense is trying to heat you up. That play you were talking about, the swing to Pacheco, was that yeah. the play right before they challenged the spot? Yes. Is that the one you're thinking of? So yes. on that play, I, I wrote it down. He yells, Roger, Roger, which I assume okay. meant a five-man slide to five the right because they the right. all yep. slid, slid to the right. So he yep. checked the protection on that play. Thank you. There were a yes. couple different times where I was like, okay, I see him changing it. What but is he saying? I want to emphasize, this is why Mahomes is so freaking good. He does protections. Like yes. This isn't just all That's the what I mean. lip stuff. He's, he's incredible. He's incredible. That's why it's amazing. He's checking five-man slides. I know that sounds – not every quarterback does this, guys. That's why it's really cool to like hear that the, the MVP should be MVP. The star is doing this type of stuff. He did it multiple times the second half. Yeah. And again, I thought the way that they picked up pressures in this game was the real difference between what the Jags offense Scoring was and goal. what the Chiefs offense was. So the other aspect, the other thing I just wanted to highlight before we move on is, uh, so obviously the game changes on the Agnew fumble. Like if that yeah. doesn't happen, then this is like a real game. And, and I feel like that game, right? it's important <laughs> if to acknowledge that. Like, there, yes. Yeah. So like the, yeah. the, the Jags were in this thing before oh, yeah. that happens. So highlighting all the great things the Chiefs did and the fact that they slowed Jacksonville down and you know they, the offense really moved the ball at an amazing clip. The Jags were still in this until that moment happens. Yes, absolutely. Uh, real quick, the one thing I do want to say with the – it's interesting, the Jags defense against the Chiefs offense, when the Chiefs go 12 with Kelsey, they treat him like a tight end. So they match with base, and which I think is if if you guys want to know it it was it, it didn't end well. Uh, so <laughs> the, the Chiefs had 15 passes out of 12. I just want to throw the stat out there: 10 were successful uh, out of there, and it was just and when they went to 13 personnel, they matched it. Same thing: two out of three were successful out of there. So I just and they only had one successful run, which makes sense when your Kelsey's not really joining in on the blocking there uh, <laughs> sometimes. So that's why the base defense went there. But um, go, what you're talking about with the, the Jags was I wanted to mention that Felix Hernandez comparison because of what Doug Peterson and Trevor were doing. Uh, Peterson was – it was a game plan. Game plan is not just money plays. It, it's This is why we compliment Shanahan. It's why we compliment Andy Reid, McVay when he's been hot. Like this is – a whole plan, one play building into a next play. You mentioned the reverse to Kirk, uh, Christian Kirk in the red zone. The very next play, it was the touchdown to ETN, the run play in the red zone. They run a ghost motion, which is a fa- ghost is a fake reverse action. And back-to-back plays, that's wacko shit. And it's like, but that, the, do you think that DN is going to get caught on another reverse, even though it's at the two-yard line? No, he's not getting caught on that. Easy touchdown, walk-in touchdown. That's psycho stuff. <laughs> I love it. Um, and all just all the other quick games to beat all the slot pressures. It was great. I, I mean, the Carl, uh, the Christian Kirk touchdown that with you know, the oh, backfield that was beautiful. to catch Carl Loftus. Yeah, they were game. They were hoping for a pressure there, and they and they got it because Trevor didn't even hesitate. He went right there. Um, they did a lot of cool stuff. They had one other cool. Po- Sorry, I, I went to a rant about the cool plays the Jags did, but they did the fake reload with Etienne on a third down, and that was oh, awesome. Yeah. So the empty, and then he trots back like he's coming to the backfield, and they snap the ball, and that that was awesome because the Chiefs checked 
into their zone with the most. Oh, it was awesome. They just ran a quick swing. But so Etienne was out. Uh, they they yes. ran empty. Etienne yes. was split out as the number one receiver to the right. He fakes yes. coming back in motion to the backfield. So the corner drops out. Yes. And so then they can run a screen with all that space and they got it on that third down. So they, they, they have an empty check. They have an empty check and then they're like, oh, we just get into our nor- – oh, shoot, the play snapped and, and they got him. But they had some nice stuff. that They would Ingram on the first drive or first, sec- first quarter um, where he's holding a block and then he released – uh, front side, like front, it was almost like a, a delay play front side. It wasn't leak. I know everybody loves saying leak. It was like a front side, just delay. Like, but it was yeah. nice. It was like just little stuff like that. They understood what they were and they try to make it work. It was like a, uh, offense playing against a trap defense and just quick passes, which is, which is, you know, fill out the passes, fill out the traps. They just did it all game and they didn't finish it at the end, but it's tough performance from them. I was talking about this at halftime, and I was curious what you thought. I understand the rationale behind not wanting to give the Chiefs the ball back, but Christian Kirk, when they were driving, catches a pass with 52 seconds left, Mm -hmm. and it was third and two with 52 seconds left. The Jags have two timeouts, okay? They elect not to take a timeout. It takes all the way down to 34 seconds. They don't huddle. They have to rush up to the line. They get a playoff, incomplete, fourth and two. They kick the field goal. People were saying, well, yeah, you don't want to give them time. Well, Chad Henney's playing quarterback. Right. And I th- even if you take a timeout at 52 seconds and it's third and two, let's say you don't get it. Then it's 48 seconds. You still have one timeout left. I'm inclined from the 23-yard line with 48 seconds left in a timeout to go for it potentially. Yeah. So I yeah. just think that it could play out if you take a timeout when you catch it in the field of play with 52 seconds left or whatever it would be because you'd have almost a minute with a timeout so then the timeout gets you to the huddle you can call your best third and two play but also i think with 52 seconds instead of 34 or let's say by the time the play is over it's 48 seconds because it's a quick throw then you can attempt to go for it but even if you don't want to go for it let's say it's incomplete with 42 seconds left you kick the field goal there's 43 seconds left you're still kicking it to them with only 43 seconds and chad henny over there yeah. So I just think the upside of having more time and potentially trying to score a touchdown and go for it on fourth and two from the 23 might be worth it there. I don't know what the analytics say. I heard, I'm yeah. sure they, they say I'm wrong because the Jags are very good at this. But I just thought right. that was an interesting decision when you consider all of the factors, including the non-Mahomes factor. Like the Chiefs yeah. got the ball back with 23 seconds. They took a knee and they, they went to the locker room. Right? That was it, yeah. I know, and they're especially good in the half. That would also, too, is that you're an efficiency based offense today as opposed to an explosive one. Those are hard. Those drives are hard to string together. Get down to the 23. We've is already diff- moved, that- exactly. We've already moved that far down. Like let's, you know, we're already down here. Might as well, you know, make the most of it. Like we're already in town. So my, <laughs> might as well get a hotel room down here, but that that's exactly what I think. I, I kind of agree with you. I thought, I thought it, Doug Peterson's very aggressive and he's very aware of their situation. And like I talked about their offense performance, but also when he is aggressive, there was the game earlier in the year. Uh, might've been the, might've been a Titans game, but it might've been a game earlier in the year, but they kicked a bunch of field goals. It was an ugly, ugly game. They kicked a bunch of field goals. Everyone's like, why aren't they going for it? It's like, it they know the other team. Jets game. Thank you. Thank you. It was yeah. a Thursday night game. I knew it was a Thursday night game, but uh, they kicked a bunch of field goals. Cause they're like, you see the other quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> like I, he's very aware of game situations. So I'm, I'm curious too. That, that's a that's a good point to to bring up, especially in a game like this where, hey, let's press him. Let's try and get as many points as possible, as as opposed to, you know, field position. The last thing I want to mention before we get to kind of the Jags and what happens next here, you have to acknowledge the game that Travis Kelsey had. Okay, it, <laughs> yes, not even just the the numbers, but the numbers in relation to what the Chiefs did on offense. The Chiefs had 37 pass attempts in this game. Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey had 17 targets. Okay. They had they had 27 completions. He had 14 receptions. So he had more than half of the team's receptions in the game. He had seven receiving first downs. Yes. yes. Seven. Yes. That's that's a pretty good number. <laughs> he's, just got just, he's just unreal. He is just unreal. Yeah. And it's the ways that he wins. Like there was a it was a second and ten in the second half. And it was, again, it was another one of those plays where they brought somebody off the second level and they dropped the edge rusher out. So Josh Allen was near him in zone coverage in space. And he just widens it this tiny little bit to give Mahomes a window. Completion, turns around, first down. 
And it's so small and it's so subtle, but watching those two work in those ways, even the third and six, that was that little delay where yep. Lloyd was hanging off of him. It, you mentioned it. like though Their connection, just the way that they work in the margins on those plays is so incredible to watch. And today was just the utmost reminder of that. I mean, it was ridiculous. It, it was, yeah. So only one catch had air yards. I said this at the beginning of the show, had air yards of longer than seven yards. And that was the jump pass on the second down on the first drive. <laughs> That's the only one. It was a trick shot. Uh, but that was, I mean, the fact that he can just continuously get open defenses. We talk about defenses playing cloud to outside receivers. The Jaguars drop their ends always to his side. And I know that's a standard thing to go towards the tight end and anything, but they're trying, everyone's giving him funky looks to work around or mugging him or just doing any type of way to try and beat him up. And I mean, the touchdown that Henny threw to him was he was double covered. Like they were, he yeah. it was literally bracket coverage on him and they just ran a beautiful pick play with him, but he has such great body control to ma- maximize that space and get out there and create more space for it. So he's he is incredible. I mean, the fact that 14 catches on 70 tar- 72 targets, seven first downs. That's just it's any stat line like this is ridiculous. Not not uh nonetheless like even a divisional round is ridiculous. All right. Let's talk about Jags and where they go from here. A little Jags postmortem. A really fun year. Yeah. And we talk about we did not mention Doug Peterson in our coach of the year conversation last week. Simply an oversight. That was I mean, it. what what he did and I think yeah, and today a reminder. An interesting game plan, one that makes sense, one that yep. is, I think, a good expression of his personnel. Obviously the progress that Trevor Lawrence made. I think it's hard to watch this season, a season which they won a playoff game came on so strong at the end where a top eight offense by virtually right. every measure and not be incredibly enthusiastic and optimistic if you're a Jaguars fan. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see this offense too with Calvin Ridley dropped in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they're not, they're doing it with a lot of B players. I'm being, I, I know that sounds mean, but I mean, honestly watching this offense and watching the improvement, obviously he's going to have some effect on Trevor Lawrence, like being a former quarterback himself, that helps so much. And on top of it, just using the personnel right, it was. I, I was there was is, is no no matter what there was going to be improvement, but to see this much and see the tangible improvement where it's not like you're watching this off, it's like it's too gimmicky, it's lucky, it's like no, this is sustainable. Now I'm excited to see what they can drop into it. It was it was a. Bonus what do you want to see I, them do? Well, if you're making a little moves on offense, I, I think that it's worth mentioning. Juwan Taylor's a free agent. Evan Ingram is a free agent. So, but on the line, I think it's easy. Yeah, Cam Robinson's under contract for a while. Yep. Walker Little, I thought, played well in his stead. Had a couple rough moments yeah. today, but I thought he played very well in when, after Cam Robinson got hurt. So I think Taylor walks. You potentially move Walker Little over to right tackle, and then you see what happens at your left guard spot, mm-hmm. which you know potentially could use an upgrade if you watch the interior of their offensive line this week. Fortner's right. a rookie, so you hopefully you get some progress there, and then you drop. Calvin Ridley into this. And yep. I think you try to bring Ingram back if you can. Yep. I mean, obviously yep. he's been a huge part of what they did. So if you have your, your tackles are probably set with the guys you have on your roster. If you bring in Calvin Ridley and you've Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram as kind of the baseline of your passing mm-hmm. game with Trevor, with ETN. I mean, I think that's a pretty good starting point. It's fine. Uh, Ridley does so much. We, it's been a while since he's played, but I mean, that guy was a legit number one target, <laughs> number one option in an offense and a good offense. So Dropping him in is what this offense needs. I still wish that he had this offense had that true ball winner type. You know, Calvin Lady really is more of a smooth route running type that that's going to win on third down. Um, you see how Trevor goes when he he lets his guys try and go make plays. You see him at the end; he's trying to let Marvin Jones win some jump balls. The interception that Zay Jones didn't really look at. You know, he got heated up on it, but he's he's trying to let him go make a play. He he has two hot options on that play. Ingram wasn't one of them. Ingram was chipping. So he either had the running back or Zay Jones. And he's like, we need plays here. We need chunks. He's willing to let guys go make those plays. So I always want that kind of ball winner. That's what he had at Clemson that he that was always had nice um, chemistry with those types of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Calvin Ridley is going to be great for them. So maybe a second round receiver type. That's where a lot of this talent is in this receiver class anyway. So might get a decent guy. A.T. Perry from Wake Forest is the one I'd have circled. But then <laughs> but then uh, I also – this defense, they spent a lot of money on this defense. It needs help. It still needs players. It needs growth from yeah. these young guys that they had. It was The a, development a weird, is huge from in-house. I mean, when you spent what, what you is. did on Devin Lloyd, I think that you need 
huge strides from him. Yes. The other thing worth mentioning, Ben Barch is on IR. So I think yeah. that he yeah, might have been call. even there day one starting left guard anyway. So yeah. I don't know if that's part of the plans or whatever, but worth mentioning. But on defense, I, I think that the most important part on defense is just getting growth from high, highly drafted players from this year's draft. Can you can you get more out of Walker? Yeah. Can you get more out of Devin Lloyd? I mean, that's going to yes. be the biggest question. Yes. Uh, when you see the botches in this game, that's where kind of the playoffs will have a magnifying glass on your weaknesses. And and we had a Christian Kirk had a nice, great season, a nice game today, but he had the drop and then uh, also got a contested catch one that um, Thornhill made a great play on the ball. Yeah, a couple of really nice plays yeah. in this game. Agnew is a fantastic gadget player, more of a number five uh, receiver type in the offense that you drop in there. Great returner. Obviously, had a great return today, but he has the fumble. Zay Jones is not looking on the, the fade ball, the go ball, the interior line. They couldn't you know, shore up in the protection. They didn't trust that protection. The defense couldn't really get a stop throughout the whole game. So that is kind of like sums up where I think they need help. <laughs> you know, They need that one receiving option. Calvin Ridley is going to help. They need help, I think, in the offensive line somewhere. They just need another body dropped in, and the defense needs some juice and some improvement, like you said, from those young guys. So I think that's kind of a great way to kind of narrow down what I think they need this offseason. We'll have a lot of time to talk about this in the oh, next yeah. week or so, but uh, about the Chiefs. But it's time to start thinking about okay, when you're playing against Cincinnati or you're playing against the Bills, is a hobbled Mahomes a bigger concern? And I think the answer is yes. So what he looks like and how healthy he is is going to matter at some point in the rest of the playoffs. So hopefully, yeah. it's better than we saw at stretches in this game when it was a pretty fresh injury. Yeah, I mean. How many plays against those teams for Mahomes extending plays? Like, I yeah. mean, that's you take that out. That's why having that in your bag is so amazing because those are the games that it's it's a haymaker fest. So that's why you need that in your tool bag. So taking that away is obviously going to be it's if it's a high ankle, that's a six week injury. Always we always talk about that. That it's one week rest. That's most guys would be missing that type of game, but obviously he's not going to. But yeah, taking that out, that's making him. He was the fourth best scrambler, I think, this year. They don't do design rushes with him, but I think he so. Was he the had the third year. most third EPA most. added on third scrambles most. in the league this year. So the only so guys ahead of him were Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. So you even cut that in half. You know, one first down instead of three in a game. Like that's first downs are very valuable. It in matters. Like yeah, it matters, and that's are what you, I think. Are you more, more comfortable playing man coverage? Like there are just yep. things that maybe you crack into that Great you wouldn't want to do. If yep. he's able to scramble on third down. So be right. curious to see how they end up planning for that. All right. Yep. We are going to take one extended break here because we didn't want to drop ads into the middle of a game breakdown. Thank so you. we're going to take one longish break here. We will be back in a couple minutes. Please come back as we talk about Eagles Giants and wrap this thing up. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. 
Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, let's get to the absolute beatdown that we just watched <laughs> in the later game. This was a reminder to me, plain and simple, of who the Eagles are. Yeah. And there was a couple stumbles, a couple fits and starts near the end of the season. I think it's been a while since we saw this version of the Philadelphia Eagles, but this was a statement about the team that they have been all year and just a little poke and a little nudge to everybody who might have questioned whether they could hit that level again. <laughs> Yeah, that was it was a reminder. I was like, oh yeah, remember we did our all pro teams and we just kept listing off Eagles and other people did too. And you like you just forget. You forget sometimes. You're like, oh yeah, this is the difference uh between what uh the talent level of an entire team. The talent went. discrepancy was insane. It, the, the entire game. Oh Giants offense versus Eagles defense. It was just it, it was it felt it felt bad. It like especially how the Eagles ran the ball too, as we're going on the other side of the ball. But Usually when you can run the ball like that, it's just because you're dominant. That's why you usually see it in college or high school, and you don't see too many of those games in the NFL where you have that big of a discrepancy as the league of parity, much less in the playoffs. you know. And it wasn't just – it wasn't the Kaepernick versus the Packers where the Packers looked like they never defended a zone – well, they never had a zone read before. It was just straight <laughs> zone runs and split zone and just right down, right down their throat all from the gun. And you remember that. It's like, oh, yeah, they're really good. They, this is why they won. They're the number one seed. That's why they walked away with it. And this is why they, you know, just the whole year they were sitting at the top of the NFC. Like, and then that the Giants were the team that was like, oh, they're a fun story. And yeah, that's again, it's a reminder. It's the playoffs. This is when that uh, really stands out. The two guys, I mean, obviously so many guys, but Hassan Reddick on the first drive. Oh my God. Just immediately, it's like, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. Like th- this is going to be a problem. And it Every- was a problem. And yes. the, his first, his second sack, they line up in a 5 0 look on third down. So everyone is covered. They run yeah. a big twist with him coming all the way around. The center is engaged with Sue. So he's late coming off of it. He drives the Feliciano right back into Daniel Jones's lap. It's again a combination of we have better players and we're deploying yeah. them well. James yeah. Bradbury, multiple you know, big plays. He had the pick, obviously, but the play he had at the sticks on Isaiah Hodgins that he came down and just made a stick to make him yeah. bother the ball. He had a couple of those in this game. Goddard, who didn't play in week 14, makes a one-handed catch, somehow stays on his feet, and then runs a touchdown on the play. Yeah, so it's, it's the talent discrepancy that you saw throughout the game. And not surprising. And we'll get into that as we talk about the yeah. Giants. But this is a team in the Eagles that has the best roster in football, top to bottom, yeah. the the best roster in the league. This is a Giants team that wasn't trying to win games as they built their roster coming into yeah. the end of the end of the year. Important to remember. Usually, this just happens in Week 15, not divisional round yes. playoffs. <laughs> yes, that's the big difference. Uh, the the I, no one was more upset about the Giants' performance today than Vikings fans. According at least I know, to Twitter. God. Oh my God. That, I mean, they were letting it out. We this we made this offense look like you know like the '98 Vikings. Like they were just they couldn't get over it. But yeah, but I, I want to talk about the the Bradbury interception because it, it was it was just perfect. It, remember he had the interception against Trevor Lawrence in their matchup where it was just he read it perfectly and mm-hmm. and showed like what they're trying to do it was like a switch vertical concept uh, against pressure. That interception. I tweeted out the first drive, the Giants motioned Barkley to empty like three or four times. They love doing this. They just put him on a speed motion. It makes it, especially a defense like the Eagles and a lot of two high shells, will kind of widen out and you kind of get some nice kind of horizontal stretch at the snap of the ball. Did it kind of a few times. They've done it all season. Did a bunch last week. Second drive, they do it. And Brett, when you do that, you're an empty. Typically, when you're an empty, you're in five-man protection. When you're in five-man protection, the ball's going to come out quick, especially when you have Daniel Jones, who is... 
you know, it's not, it's the opposite of choose. It's on the rails. It's not choose your adventure. It's on the rails. He's going to do his point A. That is where I'm going with the ball. So it's a lot of slants. It's a lot of hitches. Bradbury's very smart. <laughs> he was like, oh, there's Barkley in motion. So he just guns down and makes that great play. But that goes to show. CJ Gardner Johnson blitzed on that play too. So I think he was yes. probably looking at the pressure. He's like, I'm throwing it right where that pressure is coming from. Quick. That's all this. When I say replace, replace the pressure, that's yep. like the classic quarterback. That's they're replacing the replacement. Like that's exactly what they did. And uh, it was like just going that, like we watched the stuff and we noticed it. But now imagine these guys with being a top, top tier athletes, they notice the shit too. And the coaches do too. That's just, I, I thought that was just a great awareness either from the coaching staff or the Eagle, uh, Eagles players, which I'm sure it's a combination of both. But that's just a discrepancy there. It's like, the Giants can't hit the easy buttons, and that's when we talk about when you take away easy buttons, and they actually have to play the hard football, which is dropping back, which is like running hard run plays. That's why there's the quarterback tiers, and when we talk about them, and offensive tiers, and play catcher tiers. That's why there are tiers that exist, because it's hard to sustain when there's a talent discrepancy like this. And we talked about this coming into the game. All of the ways that you can just go after the Vikings, play action, big crossing routes, yep. just we're going to bank on you to fuck up. Yep, that you can't do that against the Eagles. You nope. you couldn't do that against the Eagles all year. You have to have a game plan. We're like, all right, we're gonna put CD in the slot, and we know they're playing zone on this, and like we have a talent advantage here, so we can do it. The Giants have no talent advantages. They don't have so all that. the smoke and mirrors when you're playing against a team that it's hard to beat with smoke and mirrors. That's ultimately what happened tonight. And right. I think the other kind of reminder of this is what the Eagles are is this idea that we've harped on all season. They are going to find what is easiest. And yes. they are going to hammer it until yes. you can stop it. And that's exactly yes. what happened today. All yep. right. So <laughs> they had 41 carries for 227 yards at one point. This was before the long Boston Scott or the long Kenneth Gainwell run. That's, that's when I had the numbers. Okay. So, so they you're actually making it easier. <laughs> yes. Making it low. So they, I yes. think they finished with like 267 rushing yards. Yeah. They averaged at one point, like deep into the fourth quarter, 3.16 yards before contact per rush. Okay, they had a fifty-three percent success rate running the football, and they and the other number I can't I don't know why I can't find them, but the the throwing the ball stats were wild to me. So mm -hmm. in the first half of this game, okay, Jalen Hurts' time to throw was two point three seconds. Okay. He was averaging four air yards per attempt, and that was with the shot to Devontae Smith on the first mm -hmm. drive. In the first half of this game, five of Jalen Hurts' seventeen attempts were deeper than five yards. He had two completions that were more than five yards in the air in the first half. They were using yeah. play action 47% of the time. <laughs> so that was the, what it was. <laughs> Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni and the rest of the Straight Eagles line. offensive staff looked at the Giants defense and said, yes. we think you're going to blitz a lot and yep. we think your linebackers cannot play. Yep. And Thank that was what? the game plan. And they absolutely slaughtered them with it. It was no more complicated than that. And that's Seriously. what I love about this team, where it's like, we you do not have NFL linebackers. Yep. Jared Davis, who started for the Giants today, was not in the starting lineup until week 18. That's That was the state of the ideal. position for the Giants, because that's who they are. And at certain positions, that's who this Giants team is. Yeah. So the Eagles offensive staff said, okay. Yep. <laughs> and the Giants that's linebackers were on a different planet. Yeah, that, this that this entire shot. game, it, it was rough to watch. Yep, that's those split zone plays, and what split zone is is the tight end is crossing the formation and kicking out the opposing D end. I've talked about this, but it affects linebackers' eyes because they they might have bump off rules and naked. They might have just they have to communicate because they have to stay gap sound. The gap is changing on them, and if you have bad linebackers, that is like the classic way to affect them. And they just ran that uh, the flats to Dallas Goddard, including that touchdown. It's man coverage, and that's their classic man coverage beater because it's just in and out, like basically a pick play with an RPO, and that's why you saw a bunch of those today. So it's just – those are simple answers. That's why you saw all the short passes because those are just the – like you said, straight line. They don't overthink it. Like the One of my, my favorite things the Eagles offense does, when they cross the 50, if they're really moving the ball on a, on a defense, which they were tonight, is they'll just repeat the same run play like three or four times in a row. They've done that five times at least I've seen this year against five different opponents where it's just, they would just call the same play. They did that tonight. They crossed the 50. They're like, Oh, you're not stopping us. Repeat, repeat. Don't overthink it. We have an advantage. Don't over, don't get cute. Let's just win this game going away. Let's put the, let's put the JV team in like that. That's kind of what it felt like. This game it was like, just get, take care of business. 
straight line it and let's go. I mean, they had 37 shotgun runs. 20 of them were successful. Six explosive runs. Like that's just, that's insane. Like that in a playoff game that, that you got 20 successful runs just out of the shotgun. I mean, you're going to win every game like that. Just like this, just blow Like it looked like secretariat at the Preakness. Like that's what this game, that's what this game kind of felt like. And there's so many other guys. I mean, Jason Kelsey was fantastic in this game. He had like yeah. two highlight plays for a center, which would obviously that doesn't happen very often. It was <laughs> right. blowing people off the ball. I mean, it's just, again, a reminder of how overwhelming their talent can be. And I don't know if there's really anything else to say about it, no. except to contrast it with this Giants team. And I, and yeah. I think that is brings us to a conversation about where the Giants go from here. And that conversation, in my opinion, has to start with where the Giants were to begin with. Yes. Okay? The Giants coming into this season were 31st in cash spending among every team in the NFL. The only team to spend less money on their roster this season in cash than the Giants was the Chicago Bears. <laughs> the Giants spent $115 million in cash on their team. The Packers and the Rams spent $210 million. They weren't trying to build a no. team that was going to win games. They actively had to shed James Bradbury's salary to field an NFL team because of where they were against the cap. And this, this year in general... We always talked about coming into it, could it be like the first year of the Bills regime that Joe Shane yes. was a part of, where you're kind of tearing it down because you're under a financial rock with some of the deals. Remember the Marcel Darius contract and Mario yes. Williams and all of those contracts that the Bills have, and they eventually had to get out from under that, and they yep. still made the playoffs. And yep. that making the playoffs was an indicator of what was potentially going to come down the road. It was proof of concept for that new regime. And yes. that in my opinion, is what this giant season felt like, even if tonight's ending is not exactly exciting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is all bonus. The fact that even start when they, when they start off to such a hot start this season, it was kind of just like everything from here on out. Great. Like just doesn't matter. Can we make Daniel Jones look decent? Like, yes, that's a win. Uh, can we get anything else? Saquon Barkley. Awesome. Oh, Dexter Lawrence looks good. Huh? Maybe we got, Oh, we found a receiver, Isaiah Hodgins. And we made the playoffs like in a season. Like that's, what's actually great too, is they the won a playoff no, game. <laughs> they won a playoff game on top of it. I know, but and they, it's kind of like, they made it worth it. I think the worst thing that a team can do is like that. They are no man's land or they're rebuilding as a franchise. And then they go like, eight and nine or nine and eight and they miss the playoffs so they get a middle round pick no man's land but they overachieve and they don't get the, they get a later pick at least make the playoffs to make it worth it and win a playoff game so and you've mentioned this you you said this and i think you nailed it it just gives something to build on and as a as a team as an organization something to point to it's like man we, look at those make the playoffs with that team yeah. now imagine with all these guys growing up and, and getting more out of it and guys that we want playing these positions for us and with, with this vision but the adaptability. The Eagles last year, like the Eagles oh, last yeah. year, making the playoffs, and I think the Eagles yes. are closer than this Giants team. By the way, the two, the twenty twenty one Eagles have a hell of a lot more talent than the twenty twenty two Giants. Yes. But that oh, yeah. first year of a new regime, you make the playoffs. It just, I've talked to coaches about this. I, I have, and because I'm so curious about it, this is what you're talking about. Is it worth it? Like, if you're not gonna be a contender, is what is worth making the playoffs if it's gonna yeah. put you out of range to draft a quarterback and. You know, the Rams were like this, just, you know, talking to Sean McVay about what it was like to make the playoffs in that first year. The the check it writes you with ownership, with this the buy-in you get from players. Like there is value in doing it. And I think that we have seen that over time. Yes. The Bills being the most applicable example to yep. what this Giants team is. Yes. It's a it's a culture year. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the best way to put it. And usually I hate using that term, but you can feel right. Like the, when I there is something that, week, that there that is real. There is, there, there is something there. It's not bullshit. Game, watch that week 18 game and the Giants of all teams are the ones sitting their starters in a week 18 game, which is just so funny. Um, meanwhile, you look at the Chargers playing their guys, but you watch the, the Giants doing that and starting their guys. And I it was so cool watching that's growth because some of those guys are still going to be on the team next year as, as depth. Or maybe some young guy that oh, we want to get a couple of reps for or just you know a young guy that needs the reps. But Watching how locked in that team was and Dabble's out, Dable's out there high five in the corner because he made a great play, some practice squad guy. Like that matters. That is really cool for a team. They talk. Those guys say, hey, it's a great situation. These guys are smart. They rested us in week 18. Like, you know, that it's just all that stuff that's positive to build, build from. 
And I think you're right. It's like comparing this like the Eagles team last year. <laughs> yeah, that Eagles team had a lot, lot, a lot better players uh, to go around, especially receiver wise with Devontae Smith. But uh, but also it's just I don't know. You need it. it. It just helps to do it now as opposed to next year. It's like okay, we build the next year, and then if they made the playoffs next year, then it's like okay, shit, year three, man. Oh man, year three. But we really got to ramp it up, and you might start making moves that don't make sense. So it's just nice you kind of check the box already. So I want to talk about that, about understanding what your timeline is, even if you made the playoffs this year, and understanding yeah. what you are. They have decisions to make. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Saquon was back in some form. The franchise tag is like $10 million for running backs. You can live with that for a year with yeah. the amount of cap space you're going to have. I also wouldn't be surprised if they extended him. You know, There yeah. are running back contracts. The one that jumps out to me, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's yeah. contract is three years, $36 million, $20 million guaranteed. It's a lot of money to pay a running back, but if you can go one step down from like what Derrick Henry got, which is four years, 50, and you can make it work in a year where you're going to have space and you can front front load it a little bit based on how important he is within your offense, I think you can justify that. The Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones question is the bigger one. Yes. Maybe famous last words, and maybe I will just regret saying this. I think they know what he is. And what they are. Yes. I do. I, I, there is absolutely a timeline where bringing him back makes sense. I don't think the franchise tag makes sense for, for $35 million. I don't think anything that ties you to him for any length of time makes sense. But if you are looking at the situation and saying our best chance to win a bunch of games next year, to send the right message to the locker room about a guy who played well and did a lot of good things for us. You want to take care of him. You don't want to walk away from that. I think that there are ways to kind of serve everything you need to while still being realistic about the player that Daniel Jones is and how he fits into what a Super Bowl winning plan looks like if you're the Giants. Yeah, it's it's our answer. You know, it's it's it, at least they have that path. And I, I agree with you. It's Jones played well. The hype got a little crazy especially after last week uh but it's they i think what you said right there is they know how they game plan for them is they know they they, they nar- i think they know they they narrowed that it's a we call the shanahan offense sometimes training wheels offense that was a training wheels offense it, it was they maximized his skill set which is running the ball and he could throw the shit out of an overball <laughs> like and he he's willing to go one and done and stand there strong but they know. They know that. They know. But man, we just wish we could drop back. You know, he's going to find the right throw. That's why they had the game plan so much. So, yes, they know. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, having a tangible starter that can at least create first downs does have value. And so, I think what you're saying and finding that he might have a role coming going forward at least it gives him something viable to assess other guys on the roster. We mentioned that that's always so important in having a quarterback that's actually competent. You know how frustrating it probably was for the Jets offense this whole year? You know, it's nice to actually have someone that's going to get the ball to the right receiver on time every once in a while. That does help and can call the plays and all that. So I don't know. I don't know what they go down. I think this team is kind of another choose your adventure team where I understand a lot of the past, a lot of the answers they can take, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing that they can do that, even though they have a question at quarterback, I still think. They had it set up with the contract that they gave Tyrod. There was a two-year deal. I don't mm-hmm. think that was an accident where they decided to decline Daniel Jones's fifth-year option. Let's say yeah. we're backed into a corner. Do we have a bridge quarterback potentially in Tyrod for a year? Right. I think that if you were to let Daniel Jones walk, let's say Daniel Jones doesn't have a market. Yeah. Okay? He doesn't get paid crazy starter money from somebody, which wouldn't necessarily surprise me. And you let him walk and say, we're going to Tyrod next year. I think after the success you had that year, that's a somewhat tough sell. But yeah. I still don't think – I think it. There was, a, oh, there was a potential world where you could do that. I don't know if that is as realistic as it was even if, during parts of this season based on how he played down the stretch. But I also think that you have to be incredibly wary of any decision that locks yourself into him for any length of time. Right. And do you want a clean break and maybe just go, hey, we got, we're figuring it out without you? Like, you know, Jacoby Brissett or something of that, a guy like that, you know, that they, there should be a line in the sand that you draw. And I, again, maybe famous last words. I think that Joe Shannon, I think the leadership there is the type of group that is going to understand the importance of that line. Yes. They're very, they're realistic. 
It's a staff. I, I agree. Uh, I think they coaches are. and personnel with the Giants are very realistic and understand the league and themselves. Which I'm saying this is a compliment. And I know you are too. This is a compliment. I, I think they're very aware of what everything is and all the factors that go into a situation like this. So the rest of the roster, okay, this team has 54 million dollars in cap space right now. They save 13 and a half million if if Galladay is a post June first cut. So I have to assume in some way, shape, yeah, or form, yeah. he will not be on the roster. Okay. Leonard Williams is a $32 million cap hit next year. Wow. The, the last ghost of the Dave Gettleman era. David G, man. Okay, I, man. Can't, I can't assume he will play 32 million? on that. $32 million? 30, it's, it's $32 million. Okay. So I assume he will not play wow. on that. They no. will figure out some sort of solution, <laughs> whether that means him on the roster at some sort of reworked deal or he's not yeah. on the team. Leonard Williams, Dory Jackson, and Dexter Lawrence – are the only guys, if they get rid of Galladay, slated yeah. to make more than $10 million next year on this team. That's a that's a sandbox. It's a blow-up, man. It was yeah. always going to be a blow-up. That, this is a rebuilding what, team. Yes. That's why they weren't supposed to be here. It's, yeah. They're opening up the shop, the quick stop. They're, I'm not even supposed to be here today. And they're, here they are in the playoffs going like, I guess we're game planning against the Eagles again. Like, here we are. This is what we were expecting in August, <laughs> running a wildcat offense and zone reads every play. Like, that's exactly it. But no, that's that's what's hilarious. That's what we keep emphasizing. It's like, this is just bonus. This is just this this season. I mean, because this is what the situation is. The cat That's... So you say there's three guys that make ten million dollars or more? Yeah, that's, there's like a couple guys right around ten million. Yeah, yeah. Like I, but that's ridiculous. That's like <laughs> they can do whatever they want with that as long as they, you know, they hopefully they spend it responsibly. But they will. I, I really do think this is a regime that won't just shell out money just cause, just because they have the assets for it. I think the only group that is probably going to come back somewhat intact would probably be the offensive line. Yeah. Okay. So. Feliciano, maybe not. I mean, I think he might be on just yeah. a one-year deal. But, yeah, but they have that's gonna be his career for the rest of his life. <laughs> so they've got a couple guys under contract. So they're yeah. I don't know basically how hurt he was. Blinsky. So Gwinski was a multi-year deal. Yep. Obviously, Evan Neal is that's yep. one area Evan where Jones. you just hope he progresses. Rookie yes. right ta- rookie tackles is always is up and down. Crapshoot, man. And he was, hard. Hard. he was so you'd hope there's be some growth there. You have a pr- look at Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, we thought yes. was gonna be a bust after his rookie year. I mean, so yeah, you have an all pro left tackle. Yep. And so they Nick Gates was their left guard for the last chunk of the season. Shane Lemieux is on this team. I think that theoretically there's a world where Lemieux shifts over, or where Gates plays center and they have all of their five starting offensive yeah. linemen under contract right now. Other than that group, and then I guess maybe the defensive line, depending on what happens with Williams, because Lawrence will obviously back Thibodeau, Ojolari. Yeah. But other than that, Wide it open. seems like anything is on the table and anything should be. So it was a very good first note for this team. I think yep. that you have to feel good about it. I picked Brian Dable for coach of the year and I tonight doesn't shake me off of that. Terrific you know, what, season award. <laughs> yes. What what they did, the one the punt at the end is was tough. But that, down twenty one the, the punt, I was like, I don't that that, that one's what was it fourth of four? Fourth that and one's six? a puzzler. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was fourth and six at the forty two. So that's a puzzler. But I think that what they did on offense f- with this team yeah. for an entire season to field the top ten offense with this group, it, it was remarkable. It was then, yeah. it is now, and I think it's a great first note on which to start your tenure as a coach and their front office and we'll see what happens from here. But Absolutely. Tonight they got Just, outclassed by a team that is built to win the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, in horse racing, uh, the class you're in is very relevant. Uh, you know, there's grade one races, grade two, grade three, and there's stakes races and all that. And sometimes you see some winner of like they've won this horse has won five in a row. There's like seventy thousand claimers, and then all of a sudden they jump to a, like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar race, and they just get their doors blown off. And then it's like, oh yeah class like that's and usually it's just not this stark in an nfl playoff game i think that's why we just keep coming back to this it's just that but that's what it is the eagles have been the cream of the crop this entire season the giants have been the frisky island of misfit toys i also think it it was so stark because of the ways that the eagles highlighted where the biggest disparities were right over and over (laughs) by sitting there and saying you you cannot defend the run based on the second level players that you have. We are just going yep. to do this the entire game. It yep. was the perfect set of circumstances to shine a light on where they were the furthest apart. Right. And I think that is a credit to the Eagles. Yes. Because they don't overthink it. It's two staffs that don't overthink it, which is good. By the way, by the way, you uh, had your first successful tout this season. You're one for one. 
the under in this game. It hit. I don't feel good. I don't feel good about it. It hit because <laughs> well, I predicted 2010 as a final score. So yeah, how do you think that felt? But yeah, I don't feel good about it. But the under did hit. The was, under was did the hit. One bet I came You're out. one for one on touts this year. So way to go! I, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, it's it's a dirty win. I really don't feel good nope, about it that. Counts. One. It counts. It's got the right. Boston Scott touchdown. Didn't matter. That's all we got. All right, we will be back doing this exact thing tomorrow. Some great, great games tomorrow. Hell yeah. I mean, now we got this version of the Eagles against whoever wins that game tomorrow. Bills Bengals is going to be great. I mean, he's one of those two teams against Mahomes, and this is what it's all about. So really great day of football tomorrow. We'll be doing this exact same thing right here a little bit earlier, but same place if a slightly different time. So please come back and check that out. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, encourage you to do that. We're doing these shows live on YouTube. We're going to be doing a lot more video stuff as we get into the spring. So please subscribe now. Get in early. We'd really appreciate that. Please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can do that and read all of our great NFL coverage. Our great Eagles writers, Zach Berman, Bo Wolf on tonight's win. Go read Nate Taylor on the Chiefs and everything that they put together tonight. We'll be back tomorrow, the two of us. Until then, we really appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.